welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game, we are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. Another great show coming at you today. Amanda Duffy, president of NWSL during a World Cup year. Talks about NWSL getting kicked off a couple of weeks ago and how they'll work around the World Cup and, of course, gain momentum before, during, and after the World Cup. Amanda Duffy's up first. Then Vince Gansberg, Education Content Coordinator for United Soccer Coaches. And we end with Tim Lenahan, head coach of the Northwestern men's soccer team. He tells great stories. He sat down with us during the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Chicago. You'll like what he has to say about his documentary, Messi and Me, and so much more. Amanda Duffy, Vince Gansberg, Tim Lenahan. After this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. I am Dean Linky, and this is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Got a great show today. A little bit later on, we'll be talking more about the education courses. That has been a theme for United Soccer Coaches as we get ready for all kinds of courses going on this summer. Vince Gansberg is the content coordinator for United Soccer Coaches and their education courses. He'll join me and then Tim Lenahan, the head coach of Northwestern. We spent some time with him during the United Soccer Coaches convention in Chicago. He's got a great movie, documentary, Messi and Me, and he always tells great stories, so he's coming up. But off the top, we're pleased to be joined by the president of NWSL, Amanda Duffy. The league just kicked off last week. The North Carolina Courage got their rings. Of course, they won the Shield and they won the NWSL championship. Amanda Duffy was there. Got to see her there. Now we're going to talk to her about all things NWSL. Amanda Duffy, thanks for being on the program. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking to you today. Yeah, absolutely. It was great to see you last Saturday. Uh, the North Carolina Courage presented the rings. You also gave Paul Riley the coach of the year. Obviously, the North Carolina Courage, a banner year, right, for them and for the NWSL. They were fantastic. It was a pretty remarkable 2018 season for for the Courage. First, to, first team to win both the Supporter Shield as well as the championship. And uh, the run that they had through the season, through the playoffs, and, and I'd say a little bit of adversity that they overcame during the uh, postseason with the hurricane and relocation of their semifinal game. They just uh, had a really, really special year, and uh, with a very similar roster coming into 2019, it'll be a lot of fun to watch how they move through this season and, and if they're able to accomplish the same levels of success. You know, it's interesting. I was doing the sideline report for the pregame hype before it, and I was like, okay, well, we break this down. You know, Chicago's got superstars. North Carolina Courage has superstars. And at the end of the day, that's what the is really great about this league. They're all loaded with superstars, right, Amanda? That's right. I certainly believe, we all certainly believe that we have the most competitive on-field product in in the world and have the top domestic and and international players playing right here in this league and and it makes for a compelling season year in and year out to have the level of competition and the extraordinary play and and the individual performances that that come along with it 
And this year in particular, for so many of these players to be able to watch them on a, on a weekly basis and then a few months from now are going to be on the biggest global stage that, that we have for the sport is, um, is pretty exciting. And, and hopefully all of our fans really embrace that opportunity to, to watch these, these remarkable athletes. Well, that's the perfect segue because it is a World Cup year, so it's a challenge for everybody, including the president of NWSL. It's a challenge for the general managers and coaches. It's even a challenge for the players and then building depth. Do the best you can to explain how the schedule is set up so NWSL fans and World Cup fans know how it's going to break down. So we we kicked off the season this weekend. Our regular season will run all the way through um, early October, and, and then we'll have two weeks of, of postseason. Our championship will be the weekend of October 26th, 27th, which we've added a couple weeks to the overall length of our, of our season this year. And one of the reasons for doing that on this, in this calendar year is, is because of the women's world cup. And we've designed the schedule so that we can take a week off during the tournament uh, to allow the attention and focus to really beyond the tournament that first week as it as it gets underway um, and then for from there uh, for NWSL to resume play and capture that visibility that's going to be um, in place during the tournament and we've uh, scheduled all of the all of the team's schedules so that it's it's back end uh, loaded and we'll have more the teams will have more games following the women's World Cup to be able to maximize the exposure and excitement that will come during the Women's World Cup. We saw in 2015 the data suggested to us and showed showed us that there is a, an increase in, in interest, certainly, uh, but also an increase in ticket sales and attendance during and after the Women's World Cup. At least that's what happened in 2015. And we feel stronger, we feel better positioned and um, better able to take advantage of 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 those new ticket buyers and those new groups that are interested in the sport um, during this season. So it's going to be a big year for us, and and uh, it's nice to have that first step in that first weekend underway. Well, and hopefully uh, one of the things that happens as well as you're watching the World Cup, I'm hoping that the broadcasters certainly – mention and make a big deal about the fact that uh, the U.S. is not only better because of the NWSL, but there's a lot of teams that have a chance to win the World Cup because their players are playing in the NWSL. I think that message is important, Amanda. It is, and and we've seen here during the women's national team games, um, the broadcasters, the analysts, and announcers do a a very nice job of of talking about NWSL, talking about the teams that these players play for, not just the U.S. players, but any of our opponents as well. And, and it's pretty regular and, and consistent when uh, the, the U.S.'s opponents are um, have teams and players that are also a part of NWSL. In 2015, we had more than 50 players at the Women's World Cup that were representing NWSL clubs, and we expect uh, the same or more. Uh, in the 2019 tournament, and through that regular dialogue and call during the game, we we feel like we benefit by these players and the play that they have during the Women's World Cup and the connection back to NWSL. Maybe even Australia more than any of them. I mean, they've got some players that have come over and represented themselves very well in the NWSL, and Australia is a legit force in the World Cup. 
They are. They year over year have definitely come into the fold, and they're a lot of fun to watch. And um, part of that is the talent. Part of that is because we're so familiar with them, with the number of players, the number of Australians that play in in NWSL. But between Australia, Brazil, Japan, um, and and several other countries, we Canada, as you mentioned, uh, we, we have a nice representation across several different countries and national associations and will have a nice opportunity as these players play through the, the Women's World Cup to have a good representation and good dialogue uh, about the league. With or without the World Cup, we know the familiar names, you know, Carly Lloyd and Rapino and Alex Morgan and some of these players have been around a long time, but now the NWSL is also serving as a great spot for the Sullivans and the Davisons and the Pews and the, the future of the U.S. national team. It is, and, and it's nice to have, you know, with Mallory and Tierna coming into the league at um, the younger ages and, um, and, and Andy coming out of college um, and being part of, of NWSL. These are players that um, are the next generation of the women's national team and uh, have the opportunity to play in the most competitive environment to continue to, to help them develop as, as players. And it's always nice to, uh, for those players to, to be a part of NWSL and grow into the national team um, uh, in the way that, that they do. And, and I think over time we're going to see those players playing much bigger roles uh, with, with the women's national team. And I think a lot of, a lot of that development credit should, should certainly come from NWSL and the environments that they're in with their club team. As we push forward, how's the relationship with Canada and Mexico and their federations as part of this league going? Well, with Canada, it continues to, to grow. With Mexico, uh, there is no longer a, a, a relationship in the form of, of compensation towards the players. Uh, but with, we still enjoy a healthy relationship, and certainly with Canada, there uh, is a larger one where there's funding towards the players and um, other general support that that, that association provides to uh, the league. It's invaluable to have that support for for NWSL, it's it's one of the pieces that has helped to make this model work uh, for professional women's soccer. And um, you know, given given the proximity and the shared border, and um, and just the environment that we have between the two countries, both on the men's and women's side, and um, and and us really being a central part of the development of professional players at, at all levels is. Um, something that's important to us and, and a relationship that continues to um, be a key piece to the success of NWSL. Perfect scenario. I think we all agree as the USA women go over to France, they win the World Cup, another big spark for NWSL, and then hopefully expansion and TV and those kinds of things. What are some of your key initiatives moving forward off of the World Cup, Amanda? Certainly. I think everyone in the sport will, will benefit from the success of the, of the U.S. women's national team, and they're playing really well right now. They have for the last 12 to 15 months and I think are going into the tournament in, in great form and, and will be well positioned to have a run at the, at the, um, at the championship. But um, for us, as we, as we look to position ourselves heading into this, this tournament, we really are thinking about um, expansion, sponsorship, and broadcast opportunities that will come uh, as a result um, from the success and visibility of, of the Women's World Cup generally. 
and then in more of a micro um, look at it, the U.S.'s success in the tournament will uh, really help propel some of those conversations into things that I think, relationships that I think will uh, position the league for better stability as we as we look at the years to come. You talk about stable. You continue to focus on Portland and what they've done, Utah with their great crowds. I mean, it can happen, right? If you get it right, the magic pill is there, right, for teams to enjoy great success. It is there, and it's a lot of hard work for for our owners and, and operators to, to be in the markets and to build the the, the presence and support and uh, commercial relationships and uh, opportunities that it takes to, to make this successful. Portland remains an aspirational model for, for most, not just in the United States, but I think globally also. Uh, but we have some others that are that are also um, finding their way and creating their model. I think Utah is one Utah Royals FC, who came into the league last year with their first season and um, are coming into year two with a full cycle behind them, a full sales cycle, both on the ticket sales and sponsorship side, and um, have have uh, high, uh, high goals for the 2018 or 2019 year and are well on their way to, to reaching those goals. So um, uh, their approach is a little bit different but the support and the culture and the environment that they're created is as equal, equally as special as what, what many see in Portland. For folks that are listening right now, if they've not been able to take in a game live and in color, why should they do so, Amanda? Well, I think you start with, with the athletes themselves and knowing these are the best, not just female athletes, but best athletes that, that are on this um, that are on this continent and, and around the world. And, uh, when you think about the talent that is on the field and the uh, the presence in each of the communities that the teams represent, it's more than it's more than just soccer. There's so much more um, community relevance and, and community effort that's happening behind the scenes with these organizations. But um, like you know, this is a this is a league, and these are man. athletes that are um, a part of a, a, a big growth and and part of a. Um, a big pattern for what we want to see for women's professional sports and uh, think that we're on a, on a good path and um, it's just important to come out and support everything that the teams and the players are doing. One of the things you love about United Soccer Coaches, they're so open. They've done so many things for women in the sport of soccer, so I feel like it's always a natural for you. You do the draft with United Soccer Coaches. You've enjoyed that relationship, right? United Soccer Coaches has been really supportive of, of the league, which we, we truly appreciate that relationship. And we've had the draft at, at United Soccer Coaches now uh, for each of the years that, that the league has existed, and we continue to have uh, a growing presence at at the event, at the convention, and um, and others and support otherwise uh, from United Soccer Coaches. So it's um, it's really special. It's a it's a great event to kick off each year, and um, and and the players feel so special when they're a part of a part of that convention as a whole and the college draft. Um, specifically being in that room and, and everything that goes into to that day. NWSL is off and running opening weekend or last weekend. Amanda Duffy, the president of NWSL, kind enough to join us as the league kicks off during a World Cup year. Amanda Duffy, you nailed it again. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Dean.
as a longtime voice of the North Carolina Courage, including the original Carolina Courage as part of the WSA, I always enjoy talking NWSL and spending time with Amanda Duffy. Up next, Vince Gansberg, Education Content Coordinator for United Soccer Coaches. He'll get us more informed on everything that's going on around education for United Soccer Coaches. Vince Gansberg is next. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Once again, here's your host, Dean Linky. Welcome back to our United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Amanda Duffy, the president of the NWSL, talking about that league just getting started again this season during a World Cup year. Exciting times for women's soccer across the country. And if you've been tuning in the last several weeks, you know that education and United Soccer Coaches education courses has been front of mind for all of us here. And we've got another fine guest to talk about education. It's the Education Content coordinator for United Soccer Coaches. He's been on before. His name is Vince Gansberg. Vince, thanks for being on the show. Great to be with you. Thank you for having me. All right, we're going to cover a few topics here, but we want to start with the Urban Soccer Diploma. We just completed another one of them in Kansas City a couple weekends ago. Tell us all about the Urban Soccer Diploma as much as you can, Vince. Sure. So basically, it's a, it's a an education piece that was uh, collaborated with the help of the U.S. Soccer Foundation. So it's been a collaborative effort. and We've pretty much done it only at the Urban Soccer Symposium that they hold in Washington, D.C. every spring. However, our office got a substantial grant from Target and to deliver urban education. And so we're now taking this Urban Soccer Diploma to those cities that Target uh, is allocating the grant for. And basically the course is about uh, is, is for any coach that coaches in a non-traditional spe- space or non-traditional traditional setting, sorry. Um, so uh, parks and rec, uh, YMCA's, you know, boys and girls club, um, non-for-profits or, or foundation organizations. Um, so it's basically geared for any coach, uh, that works in those types of spaces. It's another example of United Soccer Coaches being all-inclusive, right? Uh, this collaboration and then executing and making it happen, it's another one of those great examples saying, hey, United Soccer Coaches is here to help everybody. Yes, exactly. Now, the National Youth Diploma, U.S. Youth used to run the National Youth License but stopped, so now United Soccer Coaches are reviving it with a few tweaks to make it our own. Tell us all you can about that. Sure. Well, first up. You know, there were two courses that really changed my life. One was the National Diploma, and then the other was the National Youth License, back when it was called the National Youth License. Um, and it was pretty much written by uh, Dr. Tom Fleck, Dr. Ron Quinn, doc, uh, Dr. David Carr, and, and, and uh, Virgil Stringfield and others, Bill, Bill Buren. So those are the main authors. And U.S. Youth kind of took it over after U.S. Uh, US soccer dropped it as a license, so U.S. Youth Soccer took it over and through the State Association Directors of Coaching delivered the courses uh, pretty much uh, uh, lately. 
However, USU soccer uh, since dropped it, and we saw it as a wonderful opportunity to work with the original authors, Dr. Ron Quinn and Dr. David Carr. Uh, Dr. David Carr is on our board. He's the vice president of our board right now. And so, uh, and along with Sam Snow, um, we're basically bringing it back with some new content, um, just kind of revise the, the original content, but still maintain uh, the, the pieces that really was transformational, and not just mine, but a lot of coaches. If you ask a lot of people that have taken that course, they'll tell you that it is truly a transformational course in that you you really get into depth. We really get into depth as far as the characteristics of children, how six-year-olds think, how 10-year-olds think, and so on. So it's a tremendous opportunity for us to continue this wonderful education uh, piece uh, throughout the country. Well, and it's important, right? Because even as uh, we think about U.S. soccer not making the last World Cup on the men's side, there are a lot of commentaries about youth development. And if you are actually got better coaches helping these kids, it'll make a difference, right? Oh, no question. So when you say transformational, can you go a little bit deeper on that? Uh, because obviously something that's transformational, <laughs> you do want to be involved in it. Sure. No, when I when I first took the, took the course, I was about 25, 26, young, uh, you know, I was a dad, and I and, uh, used to be a yeller and a screamer, and uh, someone recommended that I take it, not because of that, but just to because I was an educator, I was a teacher. And so I went and took it at Xavier University, um, and I just came back completely just transformed. I was like, my goodness gracious, I, I don't need to coach eight-year-olds like I coach, you know, high school kids. <laughs> so... It just completely changed my approach to coaching and to youth coaching and making it, you know, where the game is in each child and uh, all we have to do is bring it out. So, yeah, I mean, it really trans, you know, changed me. Um, and I can say that a lot of coaches have said the same thing. All right, Vince, I also want you to talk about the summer advanced diplomas as we're here with Vince Gansberg from United Soccer Coaches. Does such a great job in, in our education department. Uh, tell us all you can about Thank the you. summer advanced diplomas and how people can get signed up for them. And once they get there, what's going to happen? Our advanced courses are offered throughout the country starting uh, pretty much in June starting in San Francisco State University, and we're going to be offering throughout the summer national, advanced national and premier diplomas. And basically they can go on our website and, and sign up for those. But like I stated earlier, you know, there are two courses that really changed my life. One was the national youth license, and the other was the national diploma. And as far as what they would get out of them, well, for, for example, the national diploma, uh, it's really ideal for a, a coach that has a ton of knowledge maybe in their head, or a lot of knowledge from playing, but they don't know how to organize their thoughts and to put it into a purposeful training session. Um, the Advanced National gets uh, pretty much in depth with functional training, which is basically training players by their position and their groups. Um, we also get into principles of play really deep. And then the Premier Diploma is about systems and systems of play. So uh, they're, they're wonderful educational opportunities, but... The National Diploma, when I took it, um, basically it, I had all this soccer knowledge in my head. I just needed to learn how to organize things. And, and uh, so that's what it is, in addition to the wonderful instructors that we have that are all very approachable. They're all willing to help, uh, you know, go out of their way. And 
you know, actually sit with you and have lunch and eat with you at dinner time. And so it's just, you not only that, but you learn for the four or five days that you're there and then you get assessed in your own environment, you know, which is truly revolutionary um, in our country where in our national events, national premiere, you'll have, an, you'll have someone that comes out to your team and actually just watch you and, and maybe even uh, give you some advice or some tips because um, I'm sure you were, you're well known that uh, the Latin meaning for assess is to sit with. So really when you assess, you should be sitting with someone and working with them. And, you know, so that's basically our approach. So we've always been that way. One of the things that uh, as you start to dig in and try to learn more about this summer 2019 advanced courses offered by United Soccer Coaches, one of the things that I see all over the place is the notion of invest in yourself. To you, Vince Gansberg, the Education Content Coordinator for United Soccer Coaches, what are you trying to say when you say invest in yourself? Basically, so you're a better coach. You're also hopefully a better person as well because, you know, we don't just get into the X's and O's on the field, but we get into the Y's, everything that happens off the field. So invest in yourself and make yourself a more prepared coach, a better coach that makes sure that you're a coach with heart that helps players with a heart. Because if you do that, if you invest in yourself, you're going to be more comfortable. You're going to have a, a better understanding of really the big picture of coaching youth, which is to make better players, but also better people. United Soccer Coach is all about sharing and sharing ideas and sharing life lessons. If people want to reach you directly and uh, email you and kind of get a conversation going, can they do that, Vince? And if they can, what's your email you can share on the podcast? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, they can email me and I'll get back to them. My email is V, as in Vince, and then it's my last name, G-A-N-Z-B-E-R-G, um, B as in boy, E-R-G, at unitedsoccercoaches.org. Love to help, and feel free to reach out to me if you have any further questions on our courses. Perfect. Continuing a theme that uh, we've been offering during uh, visits with people that are instrumental in the education for United Soccer Coaches, I've been just ending with an open-ended question, and I'll do it with you as well. I took a advanced education course from United Soccer Coaches, and when I was done, I was what, Vince? I was more knowledgeable, uh, more knowledgeable not only on the game, but knowledgeable on other aspects of the game. For example, you know, psychology, the physical piece of the game, basically just the whole game in general. All right, Vince Gansberg, if you meet him, he'll tell you how much he loves this job. He's based out of Indy, <laughs> but he's, uh, he's wherever you need him, and Ian Barker often sings his praises for good reason. Vince Gansberg, Education Content Coordinator for United Soccer Coaches. Thanks for keeping us informed, Vince. I do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, Vince Gansberg, always good. Amanda Duffy was great. And we end with one of our evergreen interviews with Tim Lanahan, the head coach of the Northwestern men's soccer team. He's done an amazing job. His team actually just was over in Europe, spent some time in Spain a couple weeks ago. This interview was back in January. Some of the stuff he talks about uh, is a little bit dated, but he is uh, putting together and has put together an amazing documentary about the time that uh, he was called into action to get a ton of players to play with Messi and some of his friends at Soldier Field. You'll love his story and the story about that documentary and all things around Messi and me, the name of the documentary. Tim Lenahan is next. Summer is right around the corner, and so are United Soccer Coaches Summer 2019 Advanced Diplomas. 
Take advantage of our advanced diploma offerings and challenge yourself in your coaching education. We offer residential or two weekend formats to fit your schedule needs. Get more information or register for your next course at unitedsoccercoaches.org slash education. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. We're coming to you from Chicago, the United Soccer Coaches Convention. Northwestern is Chicago's team. And Tim Lenahan, who's been on our program before, one of the all-time great college coaches, what he's done at Northwestern now entering his 19th year is incredible. You've heard me talk about it before when he went in there. They hadn't won a game in 500 years. And next thing you know, they're beating Indiana. They're winning the double in 2011, backing that up with a, another title in 2012. And some pretty neat things have happened along the way. But also one of those things, Tim, you just become a good friend, man. It's been great uh, getting to know you over the years. Thanks, Dean. Uh, what you do for college soccer and on the Big Ten Network is is uh, much appreciated by all us coaches. Oh, I love it, and I love the fact that uh, you're always open and you want to promote it. And All right, we've touched on it a little bit on the podcast, but really not enough. And now that you're in Chicago, the messy and me story is there, and I don't think we've really blown it up enough. And now we've got a big event on Saturday. This will be aired later, but let's lay it out there, Tim. I mean, uh, tell the story, man, because even the texts are freaking classic. And I know this is a podcast, so look, we can't see it, but right. you tell great stories. Yeah, I mean, it's a, just an amazing story. 2013, uh, Messi, at the height of his powers, came to do an exhibition match here in Chicago. And uh, I guess the promoter ran into some difficulties in terms of getting some of the European players over here. Uh, they were left uh, a few players short, so they called me at Northwestern to see if I get some of their current players. But obviously, due to NCA rules, current players cannot play with professionals. So I said, "Listen, I I can't get current players, but I can I can reach out to some alums who are now bankers and doctors and lawyers <laughs> who um, I had seen some of them recently and playing in an alumni game. And uh, I was trying to remember who at least had been on a treadmill." you know, in the last five years or so. So uh, I reached out to some of our guys, said, hey, I can get some guys, and they were desperate. So reached out to some of our guys, uh, um, you know, and um, you know, about a week before the game. And, of course, everybody's super excited to play uh, with Messi uh, at Soldier Field, uh, upwards of 30,000 people at the game uh, on a worldwide audience of ESPN. So... They were very excited to play, but also quite nervous uh, about what might happen. So I remember texting some of the guys, and they're, I'm like, seriously, you're going to play with Messi next week at Soldier Field? And they're like, what? Um, one guy, Gerardo Alvarez, I, I, I just texted him. I said, how's your legs and fitness? Because I need a game out of you. And he texts back, golf or tennis? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, so that just kind of gives you an idea of what we had going into this. And then the day of the game, I get a call, and they need five more players. So I got to reach out. I reached out to Cody Stanley, one of the players, because I knew he was uh, Matt Eliason's uh, roommate. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, um, I just finished packing up my SUV with beers and stuff, and we're going to go down to the stadium to watch Matt play in the game. Classic. And I said, great. I said, uh, I got really good news for you. And some bad news. I said, 
one, I can get you a really good spot to watch the game. Yeah. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news is you have to play in the game as well. Right. Bring your shoes. Well, he, he didn't have any shoes. So okay. he had a rummage through. I think he found a pair of Matt Eliason shoes that were missing actually a couple studs. Um, anyway, another guy, Oliver Coupe, was, you know, he, uh, when I called him, all of a sudden to hear the bump, 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 bump of the pulling the car over on the side of the road. And I said, you know, Ali, who had scored the game-winning goal in 2011, uh, I said, what are, you, what are you doing? What's that? He goes, well, I'm just pulling the car over, and I'm switching seats with my girlfriend because I'm shaking right now after, you know, I asked mm, him to play. So, um, so the excitement was there for all the players, but also the anxiety of knowing that, you know, on a worldwide stage, uh, some guys who haven't really played that much, we're now going to have to play with and against some of the best players in the world. Yeah, remind everybody, not just Messi, but Henri. I mean, Messi, Henri, Godin, Mascherano, uh, Pablo Aymar, uh, 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 just retired former Real Madrid player who will touch base later named Santiago Solari, who, who, whose name, you know, we'll come up with later. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other guys. Um, and Julio Cesar in goal. Um, you know, but a, a cast of superstars. And, and um, so anyway, you know, game day comes. Uh, I gather the guys. We're in the locker room. I told them to act like they're supposed to be there. And you walk in, and all their names are on the back of the jerseys, you know, Roth for us, Alvarez, Eliason, and, and they're just blown away. So five guys went on each team. Two were going to have to start. Three would come in as subs. Uh, so the first thing I do, I go in and Zico's the coach of one team, Capello's the coach of the other team, but they need me to let them know where my guys can play. Uh, so again, that we can put as good a show on as possible. And the uh, first thing I do is cross out Capello's lineup. Uh, so, and my assistant captured it on film. Uh, Which you know, doesn't I mean, happen every, every day. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And um, to make sure that I, I knew there were four guys that were clearly the best group for us that we got those four guys on, one being Mark Blades, one being Dave Roth, and one being Matt Eliason. So uh, the game starts, and I remember Mark Blades, who was a two-time All-American for us, completed, Great left it, back. Yep. completed his first pass. So I knew at least that day we were going to have one pass completed, <laughs> you know, and we were or whatever. Right. Uh, well said. Yeah. Well, you know, ten minutes into the game, Dave Roth overlaps, Matt Eliason gets taken down for a penalty kick. Um, so, boy, okay, we're going to have something positive happen. Um, and, uh, it, you know, Matt didn't get to kick, take the kick, penalty kick. But I remember the announcer saying he has at least that to take home with him. Right. That Lexi got, Lalas, right, or who was it? Yeah, it, Lalas yeah, yeah. and Twelman saying right, yeah. at least he has the fact that he got taken down in this game to take home with him. And uh, But sure enough, about ten minutes later, Tiana Marie gets the ball, chips it into him. Pops it up on his chest and hits Talking a about Eliason. Yeah. Matt Eliason, sorry, yeah. Hits a full bike, and the place just goes crazy. Maluda jumps on top of him. Henri, you know, in French, with a French accent, says that's the number one play on Sports Center. Um, and uh, Matt actually scored another goal in that game. And I remember when they sub Messi, Lalas goes, Well, Messi's leaving, that's no good. And Lalas said, Don't worry, Eliason's still on the field. Um, so the. <laughs> So the thing goes viral. They interview him. He's like, I'm assistant. I'm a financial analyst for GE Capital, which now all the business newspapers in the world pick it up because it's like every 
business financial analyst uh, investment banker dream come true that you know you're in a cubicle on friday and saturday you hit a bike right. <laughs> that uh, that over that overshadows what messy right. did so the next day the front page of the wall street journal you know had an article the man who showed up messy london financial times just about every newspaper in the world picks it up amateur banker stuns messy um <laughs> over close to five million youtube hits um and then they actually fly Matt to Sports, Sports Center, Bristol, Connecticut, to do the interview. I was there with them. And um, it just generated so much enthusiasm that, that Matt was offered a chance to quit his job to go play professional in, in Iceland. Now, on the sidelines of the game, when that bike happened, I said to myself, this is a movie. The, you can't make this. You said up. it then? I said it to myself, you yes. You said it then? I, yes. And God can verify that, right? I, God can verify okay. it, but I also have a little minivan that we have that we use for uh, camp and, you know, different things. I put the picture of the bicycle kick on the back of the van. That's that's still there. Right. I put that a month after the kick when right. I bought the van. Yep. And that was my vision that we're going to make a movie someday okay. out of this. So here now, we are. Here we are. Matt quits his job, goes to Iceland. And we follow him for three years, and it's a true document. You know, we were expecting all just the Disney version to go and everything to be roses, but it's a true documentary and the trials and tribulations of uh, of being a professional athlete in another country where nobody speaks the language and you know injury issues and but how the how he grew from that overall experience. Um, it's it's just a great story. It's a very happy ending. Maybe not the happy ending that we we had envisioned when we started but you never know what you're getting into when you you're filming a, a a live documentary as it goes so um i'm super proud of it we got other northwestern people involved it's a great film school so through some contacts an entrepreneurial professor at northwestern greg latterman um he knew some people from when he was at the kellogg business school who were film people who were you know documentary makers and uh, you know one in L.A., one in New York, and we all came together as a group to kind of sell the vision of this of this really special little 30-minute movie we made. Um, we premiered it in New York at Kicking and Screening, and then we followed it up. We were at the Holly Shorts Film Festival in, in uh, Hollywood. And I can tell you, you know, as a, a Division One soccer coach, I, I allow myself to visualize great things, but standing on the red carpet you know as a producer of a movie was nothing that i had in sure. my arsenal so yeah. we're excited to show it to this is our first chicago screening on saturday um it will be available to the public uh, sometime in in april we've hooked up with kicking and screening to be our distributor and um you know i'll have more information probably sometime in april of where people can see the movie. Just reconfirm the title and also tell us the length. and. Yeah, it's about yeah. 30 minutes long. It's called Messy and Me. Um, the me is kind of a little play on words because it, it's also Matt Eliason's initials. Mm -hmm. um, so we in the, we have Messy written in small letters and the me written in big letters and because he was the star of the state, that show that day. And, and just an improbable, amazing story. Somebody says, oh, it's once in a, million, once in a lifetime. I go... It's once in five billion lifetimes. It's never happened before. It's never going to happen again where somebody gets a call out of the stands and upstages the world's most famous athlete. It's kind of like the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. That's correct. So <laughs> really what's great for me, full circle, uh, as you know, 25 years ago I had a, 
uh, a, a student that played for me at Stockton, uh, Santiago Solari. His dad was the World Cup coach for Saudi Arabia. He's Argentinian. Decided to stay around and play Division Three soccer while he improved his English. Later went on to play and win the Champions League at, at uh, Real Madrid. Also become an ESPN analyst uh, for the World Cup. And, and now the head coach at Real Madrid. So the full circle of coaching life for me is that Santiago not only is in that game as one of the stars with my 10 Northwestern guys, but after Matt kicked the bicycle kick, I, it was only later that I realized when I watched the video again, it was Santiago who picked the ball out of the net for the other team. So to be able to connect 25 years like that, uh, the the irony and the the, the kind of the, the the total picture of those guys with with Santiago, you know, two of my favorite stories here, both him playing for me and now Matt scoring the bicycle kick, just an amazing thing. And when I sent Santiago the picture, I said, "This is your only appearance in my movie." Again, he's now the head coach at Real Madrid. His response was an Oscar for me. <laughs> so I love that. Just yeah. a great, both great stories. Well, you're a great storyteller, and you're right. It's a phenomenal story, Tim Lenahan. I can't wait to be part of the introduction for you on Saturday. Of course, this will air later, but hopefully, good things happen with the movie, right? Yeah, I mean, already good things have happened. I mean, Matt's Matt will be there. Dave cool. Roth and Gerardo Alvarez, who are three of the you know, the stars of the of the movie, yeah. both Matt's uh, performance as a player, but also Gerardo and Dave, who give their own unique perspective to, to playing in that game, one who only played co-ed rec, the other who was asking me whether it was golf or tennis. They'll be there to answer some questions and talk about their experience afterwards. But, yeah, it'll be Saturday, Messi and me. Um, like I said, four to five will be showing at this area after that. But, yeah, it, Matt's growth as a person is been awesome um he's so happy now and that wasn't the case necessarily before the kick um and again anytime you can tell a good soccer story and a northwestern soccer story it's 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 a really good thing i love it tim lenahan you on a headset me on a headset together who knows yeah could be a future uh, 10 years from now after they name the field after you all right tim thanks, lenahan, messy and me thanks for all being right. with us all the best thank you we thank Tim Lenahan, who joined me in Chicago, the head coach of Northwestern, Vince Gansberg, education content coordinator for United Soccer Coaches, and Amanda Duffy from the NWSL. also want to thank Michael Knipper, Sean Chevro, and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. We'll see you same time, same channel, two weeks from now on our United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Team Snap's awesome. I have five teams on Team Snap. There are no questions asked by the players, the parents, very easy to use. Very, very, very easy. Simple to use. Everyone, you know, everything's right there. Messages, availability, boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things, and I think TeamSnap sets the bar for this type of team management software. It's the best that i found.